it's one thing for me to be resilient, but you know, I'm not gonna go out there. I, we, I had 50 against the Cavs and we lost, you know? So I think my point is that the team showed a lot of resiliency tonight. You know, we had Nurk and JG go down and you know, Nas, Drew, T-Watt was the player of the game in my eyes, you know, GP, everybody came in and just had that mentality, you know, nobody folded, nobody lacked confidence, nobody was, you know, a deer in headlights out there, everybody came in, put their foot down, put their game down, and, you know, we handled our business, and, uh, you know, that's the, the sign of a resilient team and a team that's together, and, you know, we've experienced low moments, you know, so, you know, the only way for us has been to go up, and I think, uh, you know, we're definitely making strides in that direction. Hey, Rip City, this is Anthony Simons, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Hodall. Greetings, Blazer fans, and welcome to the briefcase, episode 21 of the briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall. This is your podcast covering all things Portland Trailblazers and beyond. I'm in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, as the Trailblazers embark on their first road trip since their longest homestand of the season. And they have now won four out of five games for the first time since the first few weeks of the 2022-23 season after securing their best win of the year, a 122-112 victory versus the Grizzlies in Memphis Wednesday night. It was impressive not only because it was their first road win of 2023 and versus a quality opponent who had only lost at home three times previously this season, but because of the resiliency they showed in the process, as Damian Lillard just noted. We'll discuss that victory and check in on one of the heroes of that victory, Drew Eubanks, on this edition of The Briefcase. Well, despite losing Jeremy Grant, who didn't play in the second half due to concussion-like symptoms, and Yusuf Nurkic, who tried to go but was limited to just a few minutes due to that persistent calf issue, Blazers were able to pull out a win versus the Grizzlies team that had just snapped a five-game losing streak. Dame turned in yet another masterpiece. He scored 42 points on 50% shooting and 40 minutes to go with 10 assists and 8 rebounds and is the NBA's most lethal offensive weapon at this juncture. And Anthony Simons carried Portland in the fourth quarter to finish with 26 points, but the real story of the win was the play of the entire bench. Drew Eubanks and Trenton Watford, who both saw their minutes increase due to Nurk's absence, were key in securing the victory. For Drew, finished with 11 points, 11 rebounds, 3 steals, an assist and a block on his birthday, it was about playing physical and finishing with authority as he did with a breakaway Statue of Liberty dunk in the fourth quarter that punctuated the victory. And for Trenton, who hadn't played meaningful minutes in a month going into Wednesday's game, it was acting as a facilitator and ball handler when the Grizzlies trying to deny Dame and Ant on every single occasion, particularly in the second half. T. Watt's stat line doesn't jump out at you, he finished with 5 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block in 22 minutes, but he was singled out by both Chauncey and Dame, who called Trenton the player of the game for his performance. And his mom was sitting courtside next to Little Boozy, and it's always nice to have a night in front of your mom. That goes for everybody. Gary Payton, too, played 29 minutes, the most he's played this season by a considerable margin. And like Watford, even though he didn't accumulate a lot of counting stats, he ended up posting 7 points, 4 rebounds, a steal, and a block. He finished with a team best plus 13 and provided the kind of rangy defense, particularly on the perimeter versus guys like John Morant and Desmond Bain, that was the main driver behind signing him as a free agent this offseason. Great game for Gary Payton, too. A little anecdote there as well from the road. So where we sit in Memphis, we actually sit courtside or pretty close to the courtside in Memphis, which is pretty uncommon these days. Shout out to the folks in Memphis for keeping us down next to the court. So there are fans sitting behind us and, you know, they're they're talking in their Memphis draw, which is always interesting for me being a, an Oregonian and us not really having having a whole lot of an accent. So, you know, they're they're carrying on throughout the game as fans typically do, which is great, by the way, too. I, I love it when fans really get into it. The guy's watching the game and he sees a guy checking John Morant on the perimeter by himself and he's really kind of hugged up next to him. And he's like, oh man, I don't know what this guy's doing. There's no way you guard John Morant like that. And then he noticed it's Gary Payton and he's like, oh, well, 
Maybe a guy like Gary Payton can actually, which shout out to Gary Payton too for having that that profile, despite the fact that, you know, he's been a guy who's bounced around the league a little bit. Obviously, when you have a great run in the playoffs like Gary did, you tend to build a bit of a reputation, which helps both Gary and it helps the Trailblazers when he's playing defense as well. So shout out to you, Gary. The folks in Memphis respect your game. The rookies got into the action as well in that game, with Shaden Sharp helping keep Portland in the game in the first half to finish with nine points and two rebounds in 19 minutes, even though he didn't play a whole lot in the second half. I really thought that Shaden gave them something in the first half to help them keep it close when they got off to a bit of a bad start, as they have done at times this season. And there was Jabari Walker, who started in the second half in place of Grant and did just enough to steal six minutes to allow some of the other guys to get rest and to not add fouls to some of those totals. Good swath of the roster, be it Drew, be it Ant, be it Gary all those guys enduring foul issues at times in the game versus Memphis. So being able to insert Jabari to start the second half, even for those six minutes, really played an important role. Same with Nas Little, who didn't do a whole lot, but just did a little bit of everything in 14 minutes, provided just enough of a spark to help this team get the victory. So in short, the play of the bench has been a concern this season, in large part due to injuries, but on Wednesday night, the bench was the reason they were able to secure their best win of the season, and by getting that first win of a three-game trip, the Blazers put themselves in position to change their recent fortunes on the road, with back-to-back games versus the Wizards and Bulls coming up on Friday and Saturday to end the trip. Well, moving on, before we get to some of the stats and the betting lines, want to do a quick update on some of the news items that have been happening in Rip City over the last week. All-Star Reserves will be announced Thursday night during Inside the NBA on TNT, and at this point, it would be legitimately shocking if Damian Lillard wasn't included via coach's vote for the February 19th event in Salt Lake City. I recently posted a roundup of All-Star Reserve predictions, and I could find only one, which was posted well over a month ago, that didn't have Lillard making his seventh All-Star team. Particularly when you look at the way Damian's playing lately, which is when the coaches were voting, I would be absolutely astonished if he wasn't on that All-Star team. Coaches put together scouting reports, and they know exactly where Damian Lillard is on that report. You cannot go into a game without having a plan to deal with Damian Lillard, and if you do, you do so at your own peril. Coaches know that, and if nothing else, I imagine they would rather not play a pissed-off Damian Lillard the next time he sees him. And speaking of All-Star Weekend, Shaden Sharp was not invited to participate in whatever the NBA is calling the rookie sophomore game these days, which now also apparently features G League players. So I guess it's not even the rookie sophomore game, it's the rookie sophomore G League game. Shaden is already going to be in Salt Lake City as the odds-on favorite for the dunk contest, and you would figure that a player of his talents would be perfect for an exhibition game at All-Star Weekend, but apparently assistant coaches who picked those rosters disagreed, which is a very assistant coach thing to do, by the way. In injury news, even though he sat out the second half of Wednesday's win with concussion-like symptoms, Jeremy Grant said post-game that he is not in the concussion protocol. Obviously, that can change if he starts to exhibit symptoms in the next days, but assuming that isn't the case, it seems likely he will play in Friday's game in D.C., which is his old stomping grounds anyways. Jeremy, one of the many players in the NBA who grew up in the DMV. I also checked in with Justice Winslow about the ankle sprain that has sidelined him since December 21st, and my understanding is that he did go through a workout Wednesday morning, and when I asked if he might be making his return sometime in the near future, he told me to quote-unquote ask him tomorrow, which I would intuit as a reference to seeing how his body was going to respond the next day to that workout. A very limited educational guess. I think he's probably very close to returning. And finally, our good buddy Greg Brown the Three is pulling another stint in the G League with the Ontario Clippers. He posted 15 points, three rebounds, and 17 points, six rebounds, and consecutive losses to the Rio Grande Valley Spurs this week. Keep doing what you do, Greg. All right, moving on to the stats that we're tracking all season long here on the briefcase. After 51 games, Trailblazers sit alone 11th place in the Western Conference standings with a record of 25 wins and 26 losses. The Trailblazers are 10 games behind the Nuggets in first, one and a half games behind the Mavericks and Timberwolves for fifth, and nine games in front of the Spurs in 14th. 
The Blazers are fifth in offensive rating, three spots better than we checked in last week, and six spots better than where they were at 10 days ago at 115.7 points scored per 100 possessions. And on the other side of the ball, Portland is currently 25th in defensive rating, which is three spots worse than the last time we checked in at 115.2 points allowed per 100 possessions. So they improved three spots in offensive rating and sunk three spots in defensive rating. At this point, that just might be what it is for this team. But as has been the case for some time now, the Blazers are still about average in net rating, which is the difference between their offensive rating and their defensive rating. Currently, Blazers sit in 14th in net rating at 0.5. As for the betting markets, even though it's been a good week for the Trailblazers in terms of wins and losses, not so good in terms of beating the spread. After 51 games, the Blazers are currently 27-24 and 24 this season versus the spread after covering just one of their last three games. They were three-point favorites versus the Raptors and lost by 18, and were five-and-a-half-point dogs versus the Grizzlies and won by 10. So they went one on one there versus the spread. However, according to covers.com, the site that I use for these segments, the Blazers were five and a half point favorites versus the Hawks and only ended up winning by four and thus failed to cover. However, I swear that I saw Blazers minus two and a half when I checked that line before the game. And if that was the case, they would have covered. But we'll stick to what the folks at Covers.com say, which means that the Trailblazers failed to cover in a win for just the second time this season. And as I mentioned, while maybe it hasn't been a good week for Portland versus the spread, it has been a good week for them passing their season over-under, which was set at 39.5 games this season. By going 4 out of 5 this week, Portland now needs 15 wins in their final 31 games to hit the over. So the sweat is officially on if you took the over. And the under too, I guess. All right, finally, prior to Wednesday's game in Memphis, I was able to catch up with Drew Eubanks, who joined the Trailblazers last season after being traded from San Antonio to Toronto and then being subsequently waived. Eubanks, who grew up in Troutdale and played his college ball at Oregon State, talked about joining the Trailblazers, his role on the team, playing in front of family and friends, the importance of energy and physicality, improvements he's made to his game in the last year, teaming up again with fellow Beaver Gary Payton too, and his desire to remain in Portland. Here's what Drew had to say. So, Drew, it's been just about a year since uh, you joined the team. Uh, how has this year gone for you? It's gone really well. When I got traded and waived, I didn't exactly know what was next, where I was going to end up. And the more time that passes every day that goes on, like I realize how lucky I am and how much of a better situation I am, I'm in than I was before. Not to say that it was bad, but I'm just able to be myself and I'm able to play and be free. And um, I got coaches and, and uh, teammates who really support me. So it's it, it's been great, man. I can't I have no complaints. Yeah, after you got traded in waves, like what what was that like for you? I imagine that's that's gotta be a pretty tough situation. Yeah. So we basically it happened, and my agent and I were just waiting. Like it was like right before All Star break, so we we're going to take like a week, two weeks to see what kind of attention I would get and see like what teams need post uh, trade deadline. And there were a couple other teams that had called, but Portland with the situation that they were in. I knew I was going to be able to come in and play right away and even start for this team and be somewhere familiar, being at home and being around some of my friends that I haven't gotten to spend a lot of time with and my family, obviously. But it was, I mean, it was kind of hectic, but once it all worked out, it all it all worked out and it, it, it's just gotten better since then. Uh, what has that been like to be able to play in front of family and friends uh, that obviously haven't grown up in, in the area? Uh, it's cool. Like uh, my parents, they could only come to a handful of games just because the the travel time from Oregon to San Antonio was you got to take two. There's no direct flight. So you got to take two different flights and having my friends there that I, I really don't hang out with a lot of people, but I have a, like five friends or so that they come to every single game and they're, they're there and just get to hang out with people. And, you know, I don't feel <clears throat> not that Haley and I felt alone in, in San Antonio, but like we 
just hang out with people more because we're we're just familiar, we're comfortable with a lot of these people. And yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I can't say enough good things about the situation so far. Absolutely. How has this season been different than last season? Obviously, the the kind of the goals and the expectations are different. So I'm curious, from your perspective, someone who did play last year consistently and is still on the team now, how it's been different for you? I mean, it's just last year was a lot of uh, guys got – I feel like last year was a rare opportunity for people. And it doesn't happen a lot where you just get to go out there and play and really find yourself and – uh, I'm trying to find the words. Uh, just like be yourself. Like a lot of times, like for me, it, for example, being a big, you work on stuff in the off season, you, you get better at things. And then once training camp comes around, like you kind of tighten it up a little bit and you get back in your role. And so last year, it was kind of a chance for me to prove what I could do if given the opportunity, but also prove what I could do if I'm in a like a smaller not smaller role, but just a more condensed role like I am this year. So I really think it, it helped me out in my career a lot. Like that's some, that's whatever happens in the future, that, that'll definitely be a period where I could go back and look on and be like, this is what I can do if given the opportunity, if given the consistent minutes, I can do this. And I'm, I'm proven I can even be in a smaller role or, or complimentary role like I am now. So I don't know. I, I like, I know the question was about what's the difference between this year and last year, but it, for me, that that's been the biggest thing. And you know, I, I haven't really been on a team before where we're competing for something. We have a good chance to to really do something, and make make the playoffs. So that's what that's what I'm focused on. I appreciate it when guys take the question in the direction they want to take it. Anyways, I mean, you don't have to answer my question if you feel like you got something else to say. I, I prefer you say in. it. It all ties in. Absolutely. How would you describe your your role this season? My mindset really is just. Blue collar, dirty work, make Dame's life, Ant's life, Jeremy, everybody's life easier. Get guys open and and bring energy, bring that spark plug. Uh, it's a long season, and I think one of my best talents is being able to bring energy and make energy plays that will get other guys going. And you know that rallies other guys. Other guys see how how hard I work and how much energy I play with, and I think that makes them play with more energy too. So I just like being that guy. And I would agree with that. The other thing I would say too is it seems like you bring a, a certain level of physicality mm-hmm. to the game and to the, and to the position. What, what do you feel like is important or why is that important for someone in your position to, to play physically? I mean, that's just kind of the stereotypical big man's role is to be the physical guy. Well, but I would say less and less these days yeah, though in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, tr- I mean, as guys get less and less physical, Guys don't like getting hit. I don't really like getting hit, but I like hitting other people more than I hate getting hit. So I don't mind coming in and, and just screaming out of guys and like making guys get mad at me and, and all this stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's a game. It's basketball. And if given the opportunity, somebody else will do that to you. It's a business and guys are working for stuff out here. So I just don't want to get got, I guess, is what I'm saying. So I'm going to be physical. That's That's what it is. It seems like this year too, and I think you kind of talked about it in last year again. You show some of the stuff you could do, but I feel like from an offense perspective as well this season, you've you've shown a little bit more. Like you've got that little right hand hook. It looks like guys look for you a little bit more yeah. this season. How would you say from an offensive perspective, your game has progressed this year? Uh, really, I know this is going to sound bad at first, but like I've watched more film this year, this half season so far than I did my first three and a half years in San Antonio. And so I've learned so much more than I ever 
not ever new, but like I've just, in a short amount of time, I've learned so much, and the game's starting to slow down for me. And like I said, playing with Damon, and it, it it makes things a lot simpler. Like get them open, I'm gonna be open, and then it's on to the next thing. So I'm making the right passes. I'm I'm reading our switches, like who's got who's on who, what we're trying to exploit, and then just trying to find ways to be effective and. Like I said, Dame, Aunt, Jeremy, they all garner so much attention that if I just get to the right spot, they're willing passers, they're team players, they'll give me the ball where, where it needs to go. Uh, you've got one of the best percentages in the league in terms of finishing at the rim and in the restricted area. And I feel like part of that is just, I think people assume that like when you're big, well, it's like, well, well it's easy then. You just kind of wrist your hand up and you're already there. But there has to be something to it because not everyone plays that way all the time. Yeah. Uh, my touch is something I worked on since I started playing basketball with my hook shots and everything. That was the first thing my, my high school coach taught me uh, was how to shoot a jump hook. And he said, you, you master this left hand, right hand, you'll be good. This is the only shot you'll ever need. So I know I'm athletic too. So when I take off, I'm going to go right at the rim and try to finish strong. And a lot of times if you miss a dunk or whatever, as long as you take it strong, the ref will – reward you most of the time and they'll give you the benefit of the doubt be like okay you probably got fouled and also this league is about reputation too so shoot i think we when we played the lakers i had six blocks next game we play the i don't know if this is the very next game but we played the jazz shortly after and they didn't want to come into the paint because i'm sure they the scouting report was shot blocker so a lot of a lot of things of reputation now so i, I dunked earlier in the year on, on rudy and like i'm known as a dunker strong finisher so guys will get out of the way, and that's just how it is. Like you, you read the scouting report, and you kind of, you kind of get a, uh, a persona, and so it leads to more dunks, it leads to more jump hooks, it leads to more block shots. All of it uh, leads to that. So. Scotty Brooks wants to know though, why don't you use your left hand hook? I have a couple times. I have I've gone away from it a little bit. I, yeah, I'll, I'll work on that. Can, yeah, stop <laughs> asking questions. <laughs> um, what's it been like playing with Gary? Not too many Oregon State guys in the league, so the yeah. fact that, that we have two on one roster is a little unusual. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely really cool. Um, when he first came back, like it was just crazy. Like I I haven't played. We played one year together, and it was so long ago. But like I knew he, he's such a good talker, and he's so good on defense. Like I knew when he was getting back to certain coverages. I knew when. He was like gonna cut like it, it, we just have that feel already, you know. And um, even though we played one year together, so I, I think it's really cool. I'm I'm ready for him to to uh, get back to what he was doing. I know he's still rehabbing a little bit, still coming off the injury. It's not going to take not going to happen overnight, but he's he's going to be great for us. Last one. What are your hopes, kind of going forward? Uh, I believe this is a contract year for you, and I'm assuming that you know you'd like to build on kind of some of the opportunities you've had because it seems like you've really kind of made progress in that. So I'm curious, kind of what your open is next for you? Yeah, uh, I mean, as far as contract, I want I want to be back in Portland more than anything. I think we have a great culture here. I'm comfortable with everybody, top to bottom, and I think teams nowadays, the teams that have success are teams that are built, not ones that are are bought, and so. You just got to in that culture, that winning culture doesn't happen overnight. It happens with the same core group of guys. It happens with one through 17 or one through 15 on the roster. Like, so that's my thing is I want to be, I want to be back here for years to come. I have a lot of pride playing for Portland and um, it means a lot to me. So I can't, I can't say that about a lot of other teams, you know, Portland specifically is my, is my team. So there you go. Great stuff from Drew Eubanks, who I think has done a fantastic job in his role this season. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if he was going to play extended minutes, considering that not entirely sure what Nurk's situation is going to be going forward with that calf injury. 
Well, that'll do it on this edition of The Briefcase. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll talk to you later on this week. Going to try to squeeze in one more edition on this road trip, probably from Chicago, especially if something interesting happens in D.C. versus Wizards Friday night. So be on the lookout for that. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining me. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Go Blazers.